You're listening to the My Victory Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to My Victory Church, one church, six locations. Welcome. Let's welcome everyone in joining us in Tabor, in Claire's home, in Okotoks, in Lloydminster, Lethbridge. Come on. And online with Pastor Tim and Jen. Thank you to all of you who are joining us online. Why don't you put in the chat right now, because uh, I can see it right up here. Where are you watching from? We'd love to share that with everybody in the room and everybody online to see where you're all watching so- from. So just put that in the chat, and I'll do a shout-out to all of you and excited uh, that you're joining us. Excited to see what's going on uh, with, with our online campus. We have amazing testimonies, amazing stories already from people all around the world that we're reaching. So we've got, uh, hey, Jody, good to see you. Uh, we've got Barnwell's represented, Surrey, BC, Lethbridge West, crazy Berkeley, that's crazy. Um, Coaldale, um, Sylvan Lake, Millet, uh, Calgary, uh, where are we going? Um, Gloria's Missing Hugs. There's a virtual hug for you, Gloria. Miss you too. Valemont, BC. Um, Sarah says she's watching from the couch. That's uh, That's... Awesome. Cam, Kamloops, um, cold, cold, uh, where I'm cold there. Uh, no, cold Dale. Uh, Delta BC, Okotoks, Nova Scotia. Hey, Clausen's great, great to see you guys. Hope your trip was good. Miss you already. Orange County, California. Um, isn't this cool? Come on, give them all a big hand. Victoria BC. Hyde Brower family, good to see you guys. Welcome to part three of our series, uh, Resilience, where we are, we're, we're going through um, the story of Job and kind of going through this, this very obscure, very strange, if I'm going to be honest, uh, book in the Bible. There's certain books in the Bibles that I'm, if I had a choice, if I had a vote way back when, I probably would have voted to not include these books in the Bible. This is one of those. This is a very weird, strange book, except for uh, in times like this. And really, why is Job in, in the Bible? And it's interesting, why is it situated where it's situated in the Bible? Because if it was chronologically situated in the Bible, it probably would have be properly placed in, in Genesis 4, Genesis 5, in, in between somewhere there, very early on in the Bible. But it's situated right before the book of Psalms in what the Bible is classified, the wisdom literature. You know, Job, Psalms, uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the wisdom, wisdom lit, literature. And and it's classified there because really the book gives us wisdom on how to, how to be resilient in especially uh, obscure, ambiguous times. And what I mean by that is it's a lot easier to be resilient and to stand strong when you understand why something is happening and you've got this clear purpose of what you're going through and what's happening. But it's a lot more difficult to understand um, where, where, you know, how to stand strong and be resilient when you have no idea why you're going through what you're going through. And when you question, why is this happening to me? And why, is, why, why did God let this happen? And why, why is all, everything going wrong? And we get all these questions of why. I don't know, are you like me where I feel like my resolve suddenly weakens a whole lot more when I am confused as to the purpose of something? Anybody else? If I understand the purpose of something, man, I, I'll, I'll push through. But it's when I begin to question the why and what's going on and not understanding the purpose of something, it's a whole lot harder to be resilient. Well, the book of Job 
is a story of, uh, of a man um, named Job, not Job. His name is Job. Um, and, and Job is a man who went through one of the most confusing, horrific times. And really the book of Job is, is, a, is a book of contrast because we see in Job 1, you know, God calls Job the most righteous man on the earth. You know, God-fearing, hates evil. You know, um, you know he, he basically gives accolades to Job unlike any other human being that we see in the Bible. So we see Job as uh, on this one extreme as probably the most righteous man. And on the other extreme, we see Job, and we, we were here last week and we saw last week that, that Job went through one of the most horrific days ever. I mean, he had... Everything, he was a wealthy man, he lost all of his wealth. He had lots of servants and, and, and all that lost all of them. He, he had a big family of 10 children and grandchildren and through a freak storm lost all of that. All in one day as one, you know, one thing, you know, announced and, you know, a servant was announcing one disaster and he says, while he was still speaking, the next one came. And while he was still speaking in four different tragic events uh, happened in the same day and you're going, okay, that's an extreme, that's, that's, that's bad. And yet, in the midst of it, at the end of Job 1, Job loses everything. And what's his natural reaction? His natural reaction is he hit the deck. I would have too. But he hit the deck and he, and he, began, he fell on his face and he began to worship. I'm thinking, that might not have been my first response. But he began to worship God and it's remarkably, you know, we learned last week that in resilience, resilience is saying, hey, God is still in control, just like we, we sang. And, and there's a resilience when you understand and you can worship your way through some of these trials. The psalmist did it and others have done it too. You can worship your way through some of these trials. You can be a whole lot more resilient. Because resilience, and this is the definition that we, we had last week and throughout this series, Resilience is the virtue that enables people to move through hardship and become better. Not bitter, better, stronger. All right, so Job's reaction, um, Job's reaction is to, to worship. That didn't make uh, the devil very happy. So we're going to pick it up right from uh, chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. This, is, this really is, this sounds familiar, doesn't it? This really is chapter 2. This is not just a repeat of chapter 1. This is chapter 2. And yet again, just like we learned last week, yet again, where do we find the devil? Standing in line. In order to talk to God. And we, listen, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10 says, we as believers because of the blood of Jesus, we have all confidence to enter into the very throne room of God anytime we have free access to him. We can, you can talk with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Almighty, the Creator, the, 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 the Lord, God. You can talk with him any moment and the devil can't. He has to stand in line to get an audience with God. And the reason I bring that up is, is we give, oftentimes we give way too much credit to the devil. We give him way more power than he has. And here he is standing in line. See, the devil likes to make you think that he's more powerful than you. He is not. He is not. It says, the writer of Hebrews again says that, that, 
that the angels are subject to us. Did you know that? That we are, angels are God's servants. We are God's sons and daughters. There's a whole, we're, we're joint heirs. That means we're part of the royal family. We're joint heirs with Christ. The, the, the devil is, is not more powerful uh, than, than you. And we got to remember this. Because when he starts attacking, you just got to remind him sometimes, put him in his place. Come on. No, no one wants to say amen. Come on. It came online. Help me out. Just say amen in the chat. Let's, let's go. We, <laughs> Robin's on it. Let's not, give, let's not give power to the devil. He's got lots of bark, not a whole lot of bite. Amen? All right. Standing in line. So look at this again. Next verse. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. What was he roaming for? He's looking for trouble. He's looking for uh, to, to steal, kill, and destroy, mess somebody up. So then it says this, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? God, just like Job's probably like, stop bringing up my name. Yeah. <laughs> like, Thanks for pointing me out. But listen, listen, he says, God says this, and you almost hear God sounding like a proud father. He considered... Servant Job, there's no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And then just kind of goats the devil a little bit. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. He's just kind of pushing at the devil. You gave him your best shot. He stood strong. Satan is a little agitated. So he says, next verse, skin for skin. Satan replied, a man will give all that he has for his own life, but now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. This is what the devil's after. The devil wasn't after stealing uh, Job's stuff, you know, making a, a bad day. The devil is after, and this is what his, his goal is still for all of us, is that you curse God, that you turn your back on God. That's what he wants. He wants to hurt God, he, and he uses you to hurt God. That's what his goal is. He's using Job to try to, to get, he wants to hurt God, and that's what he's after. He's after um, Job cursing God, that's all he wants. Job didn't bite first time around. So then the Lord says to Satan, very well then, he's in your hands, but you must spare his life. Now, I, I need to pause here in this verse for a second because as I was preparing again for this, this message and, and reading this verse, something jumped out at me. Last week we learned the devil said, you know, you know I tried to, you know, tried to get at Job, but you put this hedge of protection around him. We made fun of the hedge. But I want you to see something. I want you to see something here. Is that, is that God, he might have moved the hedge back a bit, but he didn't remove the hedge. He might have said, okay, he said the first time, okay, Satan, you can, you can get access to his stuff, just don't touch the man. He says this time, okay, you can touch his health, but just don't just spare his life. There's still protection. And the reason why I'm pointing this out 
is because I wonder how many times you and I, you and I have been attacked or have had something taken from us or we, and we focus on what we've lost and we, we put all of our attention on what we've lost and we sometimes miss what God has protected anyway and what we've kept and what he's been protecting the entire time. And that while we feel like God left Job out to, hung him out to dry and unprotected, the entire time God is protecting. Might not have felt like it, but God is protecting. Why? This is such a strange story. Why is this story in the Bible? It's such a weird one. I think there's a, a couple of reasons. Number one, I think it shows us that even the most righteous will face trouble. Because three times now in the first two chapters, God's pointed out the righteousness of Job, how he's a man of integrity. And it proves to us that even the most righteous are not exempt from trouble. And the reason why I point that out is because when we're going through trouble, one of our first reactions is always, I don't deserve this. Why is this happening to me? I don't deserve this. I've been, I've been doing good. I've, I, you know, why, what's the problem? I've been doing so much better. Well, I don't deserve this. And we, we automatically assume that trouble is only reserved for the deserving. But the Bible never says that. The Bible never, the never promises that. It, it says the you know, rain will come on the just and the unjust. And it never tells us how to avoid trouble. It just teaches us what to do when we face trouble. Life's going to give us trouble. The second thing we can learn from this, this, this crazy story about Job is that we can face the most dire circumstances and remain resilient. Again, it's, it's the story of contrast. I don't know, I've had some pretty bad days, but I've never had a day like Job had. And yet Job stayed resilient. He, he bent, yeah, he bent. We'll see that coming up, but he did not break. And that regardless of the circumstances, and this is why this story's in there, is that if Job could remain resilient, we can too. It's possible. I think the third reason why this is in there is that God has a deeper agenda than what we see on the surface. And I want to spend the rest of the series on that thought. There's a deeper agenda. God has a much deeper agenda than what we see on the surface. And the truth is we don't need all of the answers to keep advancing. Job didn't have all the answers. Job didn't know what was going on. This is a season of ambiguity. He'd had no clue what was happening. And he, yet he remained resilient and kept advancing. And, and here's, here's the picture that I want you to, to see. Is that the scriptures say that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And I just want to put this in, 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 in context for us so that we can see and understand something very key is that it, it matters where you sit determines what you see. Where you sit, where you're seated determines what you see. Even in this room, where you're sitting determines what you see. Online, at home, where you're sitting determines what you see. You're not seeing everything that everybody in this room is seeing. And, and they're not seeing what you're seeing. And where you sit, this is just a normal thing, determines what you see. When it comes to God, and this is, this is what we're going to see in the story, where God sits, what he sees is totally different than what we see. 
We see to the corner, he sees around the corner. We see the mountain in front of us, he sees over the mountain. We see the giant, he sees a pathway to a king. We see, we see a prison like Joseph did, or we see slavery like Joseph faced, and, and, we, and God sees that as a stepping stone to the palace. And where we sit determines what we see. And we need to realize sometimes that God has, a, he sees further than we see. He sees beyond what we see. We see on the surface, he sees beneath the surface. And the reason why that's important is because this helps with our resilience. Because watch what happens with Job now. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of, of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. Ouch. Job had just lost all of his family, all of his wealth, and he just worshiped God in spite of it all. And now this. When you're going through physical pain, you focus on the pain. And it's hard to focus on anything else, isn't it? Anybody gone through pain? When, when, you, focus on, when you have physical pain, you focus on it. Physical pain can rob you of your sleep and rest. And you're on edge and, and it robs you of joy, of peace. It robs you of all these things. And Job's going through excruciating physical pain and he's losing sleep. And it's one more tactic of the devil to try to rob Job of his peace, to, to rob Job of his sleep. Because if he can weaken him enough, Job will break. Can you imagine what's going through Job's mind? I mean, we're not sure at this point necessarily, but we know what's going through his wife's mind because look at what she said. His wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. <laughs> Gee, thanks. Love you too. <laughs> but she's not saying this and saying, she's not saying, you know, She's just saying, this is a pity thing. She's watching, she's been in, lost the same things he's lost, lost her children. She's in pain too. And now she's seeing him afflicted like this. And she's like, you can't take anymore. She's like, I can't take anymore. You can't take anymore. Just give up. That's what she's saying. Find peace again. You'll find it in, in death, but just give up. His quality of life diminished relationally, financially, and now physically. And his only caretaker, his wife, she lost everything too, and she's at her breaking point. The truth is we all have a breaking point. She's at her breaking point. She says, just give up. And he replied, you're talking like a foolish woman. I'm sure glad he put the word like in there. 
because uh, she might have killed him. That, that might have been, been right there. But you're talking like a f- foolish woman. And then he says this. This is, this, this is amazing. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And then probably the most troubling sentence in all of this passage is, in all this, Job did not sin in what he said. And the reason why it's troubling is because when Job said we accept good from God but not trouble, (laughs) that messes with my theology. Because my theology is God is good, God's wanting my best. God, God doesn't bring trouble. The devil brings trouble, and we see this, and the devil is bringing trouble. But yet Job, you know what Job is saying here? In all of this, he did not sin. He, I mean, he did not miss the mark. What Job is saying here is he said, this is my season of ambiguity. I don't know why this is happening, but I'm not God. I don't have it figured out. I'm just his servant. And I don't understand why he's allowing this or doing this, but he's God, I'm not. He's the king, I'm just his servant. And if he wants to allow trouble or bring trouble because, it does, because he sees further than I see and he understands more than I understand, who am I to question him? Wow. One of the most difficult seasons in life is the season of ambiguity, the season without answers. Job teaches us you can advance and trust and worship without all the answers. And then number of chapters later, Job 13, Job says this. And this, this sentence has been ringing in my heart and head for a long time. Because again, it messes with my theology, to be honest. Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Though he that's not the God I serve. That's not the God I would. What? Though he slay me? Yet Job is not saying God is slaying him. Job says, in the good and the bad. When, I do, when things don't make sense, all, all that. I will still, yet will I. He doesn't say, I, yet I feel like. He says, I will. I'm determined. I will place my hope. In him. And then he says, I will surely defend my ways to his face. Talk, talk about resilience. This guy's amazing. And one mark of being resilient is able to tell which pain deserves attention. Because what you focus on, I've said it a million times, we give power to. And Job chose to move past his heart hurt, his mind hurt, his confusion, move past his physical hurt, and saying, yet I will hope. And I choose to place my hope in him. He wasn't about to give up hope on God. What else could he hope in? And notice Job is pursuing his face, not his hands. He wants God's presence more than his deliverance. He 
wants God's presence, his face, more than his deliverance. That's a mark of somebody who understands God. Is God just God when he answers prayer like I expect, in the time I expect, delivers me from all trouble? Do I only worship when, when, when I get the answers I'm looking for and the things that I want? And is, is he just God when life is going good and everything's lining up? And Job is saying, no, I'm seeking his face more than just his hand. That's, a, that's a, a mark of someone who understands God. Look at this verse. I, I quote it all the time, but I, I want you to see something just in this context. In Philippians 4, verse 7, Paul says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. And I have to admit, every time I've read this scripture, I focused on the peace I pursued the peace. I wanted the peace that passes all understanding. The peace that passes all understanding. I even quote it that way. There's a peace that passes all understanding. But listen, Paul said the peace of God. The peace of God. That this peace is not just from the hand of God. This peace is found in God. It's found in his presence. It's the peace of God. It's it's it's. Not something that's separate from God, something that he can give, but not something, it's something that's found in him. You getting that? And then in Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Again, that joy that becomes the strength is found in his presence. And when you need joy, when you need strength, you need to pursue the face of God. When you need the peace, you need to pursue God because the peace is found in his presence. It's in him. And Job understood this. Man. And Job's resilience through all of this. Without knowing why what was happening to him was happening to him. And he says, even if it is God, I will still worship him. I will still hope in him. I'll still go to him. I'll go to his face. Though he slay me, I will hope. Today's takeaway is, is this. That no matter what comes my way, this is Job's determination. I'm going to outserve it, outlove it, outlast it. No matter what comes my way. I'm going to serve him anyway. I'm going to place my hope in him anyway. I'm going to outlove it. I'm going to outlast it. And his wife saying, curse God and die. And Job's response is, shall we accept just good from God? In other words, I will place my hope in him still in the midst of all this. I'm going to outlast this too because I know who my God is. And I don't always understand why he does what he does, why he doesn't do what I think he should do. But yet I will hope in him because he's God and I'm not that what he sees, his ways are higher than my ways, his thoughts higher than my thoughts. And where he's seated, he sees around the corner and I'm just seeing the corner that he sees around the mountain and I'm seeing the mountain. He sees beyond what is just in front of me. He sees a much bigger picture and I choose to place my hope in him. Anyway, 
And so I want you to have the same determination no matter what comes my way. No matter what comes my way. I'm going to outserve it. I'm going to outlove it. I'm going to outlast it. Can you imagine? Who cares what the latest press conference brings and what is said? No matter what comes our way, we're going to outserve it, outlove it, outlast it. No matter what comes my way, no matter what the doctors say, no matter what the politicians say, no matter what, no matter what, what the boss says, no matter what the bank account says, the banker says, doesn't, I, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to outserve it, I'll love it, outlast it. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the story and for Job and the inspiration that he is. God, I pray for that strength in me, in, in us, that wisdom to know what to, say, know what to do, what to say, and the courage to be able to do it. And God, I pray that you draw us closer. We want your face. We want to know you and trust you beyond what you do, but trust who you are and know you on another level. Draw us in. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, I love what Pastor Kelly said in that message, that one mark of being resilient is learning to tell which pain needs attention. Guys, I wanna just ask this question out to you today. What if everything you've gone through in your life has brought you to this point today to deal with that pain, to have an open and honest conversation with God? Um, maybe that pain is loneliness, depression, addiction, failure. God's indicator, what if it was just God's indicator of attempting to start or reestablish relationship? with you. Maybe today's the day that you decide to close that gap. You know, in Luke, it says that one of the names they gave Jesus was Emmanuel, which means God with us. So if you feel like God's abandoned you in this season, it's impossible. His presence is always with us. I want to encourage you guys today that if you have never had the opportunity to invite God into your life, today is a great day to start something new. So I would love to say a prayer with you. If you're at home and you're watching and just like, yeah, today's the day I identified that pain and maybe God's just telling me that today's the day to start a relationship with him. We'd love to say that prayer with you guys. So if you would just repeat after me, say, dear Jesus, I admit and I confess that you are God and I believe that you sent your son to rise again on the third day. And I ask you today to come into my life, be Lord of my life, my Savior, and my friend. I thank you that my past is past, and I can begin a new life with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, guys, if you said that prayer for the first time, we'd love you to throw a hand up in the chat or click that uh that button there that says, I have decided, and our team would love to connect with you and uh, get a Bible out to you and teach you what this walk is all about. It is the biggest decision, biggest prayer you'll ever say in your life.
Thank you for joining us today on our My Victory podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out at myvictory.ca. If you'd like to watch our live stream, go to victorylethbridge.tv. 